fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Pat and Stu for Glenn. He's back Monday. Man, the time's gone by fast. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Now you can hear my show immediately preceding this show uh, live on the Blaze Radio and TV Network. Pat Gray Unleashed. Or you can listen to it anytime you want, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, Sound tunes. Sound tunes. iCloud. Okay. It's Snapface. Snapface is, is another there. place where you can get it. Friendster. Mm-hmm. MySpace. Uh, get it anywhere. <laughs> Ask Jeeves is probably the most prominent place people yeah. go to get their podcast. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Big. And Lycos. Big, you're big on Lycos. That's true. Lycos and Metacrawler. <laughs> a lot of people mm-hmm. say, well, Lycos? Ask Jeeves? What are those? It's amazing how that stuff seems. I mean, that's like ancient history isn't it i know i love throwing in the friendster jokes it's it's my favorite one because if you don't know it was a social network before facebook and really i can before i think myspace MySpace, it was around there it was like the one that everyone said was going to make a big run but never really caught on right uh and we're like it's like 12 generations ago now like (laughs) like my references are getting really is you get to a point where you're we always used to make fun of you because all of your impersonations are dead Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) either (laughs) They're either dead or long retired. And there's yes. no, there's no right. active person you impersonate. Mm. All the people mm. have passed away. <laughs> their parents, their their children barely remember it's them. It's a weird thing. As uh, they're current, I can't do their voice. As soon as they die, so weird. Yeah, I can get there now. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a long road, Pat. It's a yes, long road. Yes. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, I think eventually we're going to get to that point where people feel the same way about CNN. You're going to make a CNN joke, and people are like, "What? What is? What is CNN? What is that?" If they keep going as <laughs> they, they keep... currently are, that will happen. This is pretty bad. You know, they did this big gun town hall thing over uh, the last couple of days, which I'm sure they thought was going to be massive. Well, the last one was right. I mean, the last yeah. one was a big deal, at least. I don't know how it yeah, did in the I ratings. I don't remember, but I think it did pretty well in the ratings that night. Uh, actually, let's see. Uh, yeah, so Jake Tapper did the first one, and <laughs> it did a little bit better. So last night they had, uh, or they did America Under Assault: The Gun Crisis, uh, aired at 9 p.m., drew in 1.2 million total viewers on average. Hannity, um, who interviewed a Democratic candidate in last place, <laughs> Bill De Blasio. Oh wow! 3.1 million. And Rachel Maddow did 2.3 million. So they only lost. Jeez. They came in third place and came in half of second place is how many people actually watched. Uh, Jake Tapper's mm. town hall was a, had 58% more viewers than Chris Cuomo's. So this did not work very well this time. Now, look, it's, a, it's the same trick they tried last time, right? Mm-hmm. You, you come out and you try to take advantage of a, a tragedy and... Uh, you try to you know, ramp up ratings, and that's not a good idea. I don't think people think of that as a as inbounds. You know, it feels really icky to try to take advantage of something like mm-hmm. that. It may be the first time you do it. People We're, are like, "All right, look, they're trying to get <clears throat> solutions. They're trying, you know, when you hear the voices of some of these people in the community. I mean, you can make those arguments. You trot it out again after how bad of, it, it went last time when you got to a point mm-hmm. where. The people that you brought in as guests completely stacked the deck against Dana, who was yep. there to be a spokesperson for the NRA. Yeah, and and they they just tried to bludgeon her the whole time. And and in some ways, literally, <clears throat> I mean, like she was that was mm-hmm. a legitimate security threat for her, right? Uh, and you know, they, luckily she was able to get out of there. 
but they did not treat it well. They they did not handle it well. The biggest mistake they made as far as the actual program went was having the large, loud, cheering crowd. Because that's not... I mean, look, if you're, if you're trying to make an argument that you're coming up with real solutions, and we care about this, and we care about the community, you know, you don't turn it into a WWE event. Yeah. And that's what they did last time. I don't know if they did that this time. I don't remember seeing a crowd. It could be that they invited a crowd, but then they heard it was Chris Cuomo, so they didn't come. That's a very <laughs> possible... Mm-hmm. thing here but it did not do well finished third place for their big uh gun town hall and I, you know at some point you gotta pull the plug on the chris cuomo experiment don't you <laughs> i think at so. some point you just have to realize I, I think so yes yes he has a famous name in the state <clears throat> you're in okay that's about mm-hmm. what you have with chris i think it's about time to just say you know you just turn it off you know you, sometimes you try things and they just don't work yeah, you know, you, you saw a guy. He said, "Hey, I remember that guy mm-hmm. used to be governor, and now his brothers or his dad used to be governor, and now his brother's governor. Maybe we should put him on TV." And it seems like a good idea at the time, <laughs> and then it falls apart. Mm-hmm. And you can try to you know put it back together over and over and over again, but at some point, you just have to say, "Look, this is not working." And I think we're there with Chris Cuomo, are we not? Oh yes, we were there day I think two for me. <laughs> but. <laughs> If it takes CNN a little while to catch up, okay, but they should be caught up by now. All right, much more coming up. 60 seconds. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Meet Evan Goldberg, founder of NetSuite. I had to learn that the hard way with my first company. That's why I started NetSuite. I needed to see everything that was going on with my business in one place. So we built the world's first cloud business system. And after 20 years, over 16,000 companies run their businesses on NetSuite. Everything you need to keep growing is in one place. Financials, HR, commerce, customer info, and more. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make smart decisions and grow with confidence. That's why companies who use NetSuite grow three times faster than the S&P 500. Find out the rest of Evan's story and get your free guide titled Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at NetSuite.com slash America. That's NetSuite.com slash America for your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. Go right now to NetSuite.com slash America. NetSuite.com slash America. Patton Stufer Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Big headline about uh, the NRA warning President Bush or President Trump um, and warning him that his supporters just aren't going to be supportive of gun control. I I really believe that's true. I think even the hardest core of Trump supporters would oppose uh, getting into gun control legislation or gun control executive orders. And he's seemingly according to these stories been asking around with his aides people close to him uh, and he's also said it publicly that he wants to go after it yeah you know he hasn't been specific so what does that mean you know he wants to have uh, expanded background checks and uh, i mean um red flag laws and he's he's spoken some, you know some support for those ideas but you know in passing and walking up to a plane who knows what this actually means mm-hmm uh, that being said, when you go after a core belief of your of your uh, voting block, 
you risk things, even when you are mm-hmm. incredibly popular. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, George W. Bush came out of that his reelection, beat John Kerry, was incredibly popular. And this was 05, 06, when he did the comprehensive immigration reform right. thing. And that, so it, one of the first <clears throat> things he did was to use some of his political capital to go after immigration reform. And that was what essentially destroyed his presidency. Really I mean, hurt him. You know, there were multiple things. I'll also yeah. give you Harriet Myers as a Supreme Court nominee, which mm-hmm. the the base re- rejected. And uh, in addition to that, his handling of Katrina really wiped out a lot of his, you know, he, he really was known as sort of the competent in crisis sort of president because of everything that happened with 9-11. Mm-hmm. The war, though, started turning the wrong way. And then Katrina happened, and you know, while the reporting on a lot of that was really bad, and a lot of that wasn't him, you know, screwing those things up, it still didn't help at all. But really, it was it was never that it was never a big deal. People were like, "Oh, well, his you know, people lost faith in him because of Katrina." Well, some did, right? But it was never a case of. I don't think a lot of conservatives lost faith in him because of Katrina. They knew that wasn't his fault. The difference in his presidency between term uh, one and term two was not that the people in general lost faith in Bush. It was that his his actual, the conservatives did. Yeah. Because of things like immigration reform, they were like, look, I mean, he's not even, you know, we'll walk through him with a lot of this stuff. If he makes a mistake, we're okay. But, like, this is violating, he's trying to do something against us. Yes. You know, it's not that he screwed up. He's trying to do something that we don't, like, he's coming after our core values. And conservatives were making a lot of noise about it, yeah. how much they opposed it. And we don't want you to do this. Well, he tried to do it anyway, and, and that did hurt him. And they stopped it. And then later, yes, uh, conservatives did stop it. Later, he also, not only did he still want the comprehensive immigration reform, but then he went after the Border Patrol agents, mm-hmm. uh, Ramos and Campion, mm-hmm. and would not budge on that at all until the day he left office. Uh, those guys languished in jail for a couple of years because, you know, they shot a uh, drug dealer in the butt who, by the way, they thought had a gun and was aiming it at them. And so that really hurt him, too. And, and when he cited, then he further cited with Mexico uh, as Mexico tried to stop the execution of that heinous illegal immigrant from 1993 who raped and murdered uh, two 15-year-old girls in Houston uh, and he'd been on death row for quite some time and Bush sided with Mexico against Texas for that uh, yeah right and those were all huge <sighs> issues I remember for the audience at the and time and it turned his base and that was a violation of something they believed was you know a core value rule of law on the border and it was something that really you know, I think really was the thing that turned his presidency from what was beforehand largely a, on partisan lines. Mm-hmm. You know, you, certainly after 9-11, he was much more popular than that. But, you know, it had come down to a point where Republicans <clears throat> basically liked Bush and Democrats basically didn't. And after that, that Rep- Republican support eroded. And the reason we bring this up is because when, you know, Trump risks a lot violating a core belief of his own audience. Yeah, and this is definitely one of those. Yeah, I mean, it's Second risky, Amendment's man. pretty core for a lot of people. You know, if he wants to win this election, you know, I was talking to David Harris Jr., who's a, you know, he's on News and White Matters, uh, and he's a big social media personality, very pro-Trump. And um, we were talking about this, and he said, you know, look, uh, I, my audience is pissed off about this. 
Now, David's audience is very pro-Trump. I mean, he's a very pro-Trump guy, loves him. He's, he's been to the White mm-hmm. House a bunch of times. Like, he is, you know, in, in that pocket completely. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the, uh, you know, uh, he's a, a loyal guy. He believes his Trump is doing a great job. And he said his audience is doing the same thing. They're, they are they are really scared about this. They do not want him to do this. Mm-hmm. And he made the point, and, and this point is true, that, look, right now, they're going to be mad about this. But when it comes down to it, we're going to be a vote for Elizabeth Warren. What are you going to do? I mean, like, you're going to have a choice there. And that's that true. That is a good point. Yeah. When it comes down to it, he's yep. still going to be a better choice than Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. The issue, though, is... You lose you passion. Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, some people, you know, look, are they all going to turn out? Are they going to donate? Are they going to campaign? Are they going to be telling every one of their friends how great Trump is? Or are they going to be like, well, I mean, look, he's better. And, I, you know, he pisses me off on this issue, but I'll, I'll, pull, the, I'll pull the lever for him without all of that extra stuff. You know, one of the big stories, mm-hmm. I think, of Trump's presidency it has been passion. You know, you have a really passionate base that's going to go out there. They're going to fight for this guy no matter what. And if you start eroding that, if you start t- just on the edges, it remain, you know, you can't afford to lose a lot of votes. This is this is an election. Remember, obviously, not that this matters electorally, but he didn't, you know, he lost the popular vote. This is a so and I don't say that to say that, like, oh, he lost. I say that to say it was close. It was a lot closer than memory might serve you if you look at the electoral college yeah i mean basically it was about seventy thousand votes that were the difference in that election that's not a lot no it's not and you know it's so you you have to be careful and you start going after second amendment rights and that that might just be enough to take away at the fringe and give us some socialists to come in here and be president of the united states and nobody wants that at least i don't uh yeah me neither and we've i think we've mentioned that a couple of times. You don't want a socialist as a president of the yeah, United States? I think I have. It's come up. <laughs> 888-727-BECK. More in a minute. Health concerns are a sad part of life. I mean, it seems like there's always something that either hurts or bothers us health-wise, right? Well, if that's you, you really need to see what CBD products can do for your health. CBD may offer many of the health benefits of marijuana, but without the high. So it's 100% legal and requires no prescription from CBDistillery.com. The health testimonials are impressive. Like this customer who wrote, I highly recommend CBD to everyone. It's done a complete turnaround for me. Another customer wrote, CBD made a big difference in my health. Look, if you haven't tried CBD for that health concern, You should, but where you get CBD products is crucial. With independent lab tests and nearly a quarter million customers, you can trust CBDistillery.com. See what CBD can do for your health. Go to CBDistillery.com and enter RELIEF for 20% off. Again, enter RELIEF for 20% off at CBDistillery.com. CBDistillery.com. And Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program, 888-727-BECK. Biden is out there campaigning really hard and uh, uh, really <laughs> impressing people. <laughs> he really I mean, is. The guy is. He's saying some powerful things yeah. right now. Yeah, he is. Um, he's having his troubles, Pat. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about Biden right now where his brain is working at a different, like, a different pace as his mouth. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it exactly. Mm-hmm. He's, he seems off. He seems off. Doesn't he? I yeah. mean, even more than usual yeah. for Joe. 
And you could tell in this particular instance, he catches what he's done almost immediately. I love it. And you can hear him try to retroactively (laughs) act as if he meant to say what he said. He tries to fix it. Yes, he tries. And you Mm -hmm. give him credit for at least recognizing it in the moment. Um, But here it is talking about uh, (laughs) poor kids Mm -hmm. and their talent levels. Listen very closely. And the other thing we should do is we should challenge these students. We should challenge students in these schools to have advanced placement programs in these schools. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. (laughs) Wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. (laughs) I really mean it, but think how we think about it. I love that. Poor kids are just as talented as white kids. <laughs> and, 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 and wealthy, wealthy kids, kids and, and white kids. Fat kids and skinny kids and kids who climb on rocks and, 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 and you know, the tough kids, the uh, sissy kids and those ones who have chicken pox. <laughs> Can you see that? It's so great. I'm surprised he didn't just go right into that rhyme uh, because he, uh, cause he goes, he says white kids. So, what in a, other words, like, I mean, in case like you're missing only, that. Only, Only black kids black are, poor, kids are poor. poor, right? Yeah. So, of course, if a Republican said this, it oh, is the end of your career. Yeah. Had this right? been Trump, they oh would be. It would be the only thing that mainstream media talked about. Absolute proof only of his white supremacy. Yes. Right? If you are not calling him a racist as a journalist tomorrow, you are a heathen. Yep. yep. Um, but with Joe Biden, it's just him screwing up, I'm sure. That's the way they'll spin this. I would be very concerned if I was a Democrat and thought Biden was the most electable. Because too many of these things, man, he does this. He did this a lot back then. He's getting much, much worse now. Yeah, he is. Um, this is a bad. Th- poor kids are just as talented as white kids. <laughs> and then he says, well, so then he realizes what I should have said is wealthy kids. So then yeah. he says wealthy kids. Then he ha- he remembers like, I wait, I already said white kids. People heard it. I better say it again. Yeah. Then he goes to white kids again. <laughs> then he goes to Asian kids. Like what all I was saying was every group I could think of. I swear. I mean, it's bad. It is bad. And he just does, his mind is not, it's not sharp. And you have a couple of these moments early on in your campaign, you can deal with it. Uh, but it's, yeah. it, what the, the problem is not whether he can keep it all together. The problem, the, the questions begin when enough Democratic primary voters see this and say, geez, Trump's going to be all over him for this stuff. He's going to mm-hmm. lose to Trump. When, mm-hmm. when, because that's all you have with Biden. All you have with Biden is electability. People believe Biden can beat Trump. So if Biden's electability goes away, there's no reason to stay with Biden. And I think a lot of people are only with him because of that electability. They'd rather have somebody uh, who's willing to go further yeah. to the extreme left. Right. They'd and, rather have that, but they just don't think yeah. Bernie Sanders can win. Right. They don't think Elizabeth Warren can win. But I, I got to see this one more time because yeah, it's absolutely it. priceless. This is great stuff. And the other thing we should do is we should challenge these students. We should challenge students in these schools to have advanced placement programs in these schools. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. <laughs> Wealthy kids. I love it. Kids, <laughs> Asian kids. Asian kids. Asian kids. <laughs> think, how we think about it. Uh, if that, that was Trump, again, they would be. We just got a glimpse into what it, what's in his heart. Yes, he tried to cover it up, but it was too late because he really showed us what he thinks. Yeah, and it, in that moment, and that's that white people are supreme, right? right? I mean, that's a white supremacist argument. Yes, right. White people are. Yes. He's trying to be basically <laughs> said. Oh, I swear. <laughs> uh, the other thing I love about this is he said Ugh. poor kids are just as talented as white kids. 
there's one person in the audience who wholeheartedly agrees with him on this point. <laughs> and clapped right and away. just claps right away. He's like, yeah! Somebody yeah. finally said it! Yes! <laughs> Poor kids are as good as white kids! Wow! Well, Bush kind of said it a while ago. The, the President George W. Just let me make it very clear. Poor people aren't necessarily killers. It's kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> Just because you happen to be not rich doesn't mean you're willing to kill. I love that. So, in other words, poor kids aren't necessarily killers either, right. Stu. Now, they might be. <laughs> they probably are. But not necessarily do they kill. Just because they're the time. not rich. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a pretty interesting it's one. Priceless. How many of those do you get? A gaps some, like that? Every day, one of these things happen. There's another, you know, half a percent of the Democratic voter, uh, primary mm-hmm. voters that say, eh, uh, I don't think I want to risk this. I the, don't think I want to risk it. This is going to happen other, on a big stage, and he's, and he's going to wind up losing by 10 points. The other problem are the voters. Uh, I mean, the donors. The donors for Biden are going to be thinking, wow, is he just losing it? Can I afford to pump more money into this guy or his political action committees? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Some At some point, that will happen, too, where it'll cast a doubt on the people who are fueling his campaign. And then he's in real trouble. Yeah. Think of, think of Peyton Manning's last year. He started as quarterback. And, you know, he's a great quarterback. Now, Joe Biden was never a great politician. He's never won a big race like this. But, I mean, he, towards that end of that year... You told you could tell he was still like he kind of knew what he was doing generally, but the throws just didn't have snap on him anymore. They weren't getting yeah. to the targets. They were bad interceptions. It looked like he was done. Now he wound up winning the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, so maybe that's what happens here with Biden. But it just looks like he's lost a he's lost it. He's uh, definitely lost a step, yeah, or two, maybe more. Yeah, maybe more. Maybe more or ten. Triple eight. 888-727-BECK. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. Man, I'm really excited to welcome a brand new sponsor to the show, Tecovis. I know how ridiculous a great pair of boots can cost. Tecovis makes great boots and accessories. They sell their boots directly to the customer, so their boots are half the price of anything that's even similar in quality. They're all handmade with a 200-step process with only the best materials. Their entire line honors the timeless traditional boot styles. No silly stitching or sequins or loud colors or anything else. These are just great boots like my grandfather would have worn. With Tecovis, there's no need to break them in. They arrive already ready to be worn immediately comfortably. They're easy to order with tremendous customer service. Tecovis always has free shipping and free returns. Check out their boots and their clothing and accessories right now. Tecovis.com slash Beck. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash Beck. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. You know, despite his gaffes, Biden's still doing holding up pretty well in the polls. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of erosion. Have you? Uh, you follow the polls closer than I do. Yeah, no, there hasn't been a... He, after the first debate, he did drop a bunch. He regained probably about two-thirds of that drop in the interim. Yeah. He's uh, still around 28.30 now, right? Yeah, but he was a little in higher there? than that before. Yeah. Uh, he... The one thing, if you want to look for a problem area in Biden, it, mm-hmm. they a lot of times will... You know, some of these polls will break out uh, the voters who are paying close attention and who are not mm-hmm. paying close attention. So if you break it out like that, people who are paying close attention, which eventually everyone gets to, right? As mm-hmm. you get closer to voting, everyone's paying close attention. Right now, it's split. Half of the p- people who are voting are not even, you know, they know basically kind of what's going on, but they're not following it. The people who are following it, Biden does much worse among those people. 
So that could be an indication of weakness, right? When people start really watching it, really knowing who, let's say, Kamala Harris is, they might gravitate to her. She does much better among among people who are watching the election more closely. Mm-hmm. So that is a potential area of weakness, but he's still, I mean, look, he's, it's still his to choke. It's his election to lose when it comes to this Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. And he is very good at losing. <laughs> so it's very possible. We said this from the beginning. It is, mm-hmm. it, he's the favorite. He should be thought of in, in some ways in his own tier of candidates. It's really only, the only way Joe Biden should lose this election is if he blows it. But he blows it all the time. Every time he gets on stage, he finds a new way to blow it. Yeah. And he did it, what, two or three times yesterday. We played the clip where he said, white, you poor kids are as talented as white kids. <laughs> That's not a good moment. Oops. How about this one? This is from uh, talking about truth. You got to choose okay. truth, Pat. Right. Choose and, truth over okay. something else. Uh, let's listen. We choose unity over division. Mm-hmm. We choose science over fiction. Right. We choose truth over facts. Uh, uh, so, folks... Wait, wait. You if choose, you're interested, I'm join sorry. me. I could use Better the help because <laughs> must, must defeat this president to change the trajectory of this country. Right now, go to Joe three zero three three zero to join him. <laughs> uh, do that now. Um, so, tr- truth over fact. facts, huh? I don't know exactly what what okay. he's got a narrow little lane there. He's trying to fit himself through. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. How do we choose the truth something, over a fact? Something huh. that's true. Right. Over something but not, that's factual. Hmm. Well, well, Are, well, is there such a thing? We'll have to sort that one out. We, you know, I don't know if we'll have time to sort it out, though, because we have to go through his long list of accomplishments as vice president first. Okay. Now, this is yeah. a guy who, with Obama, worked to get incredible things done. Mm-hmm. Massive things that would just change the dynamic of our entire world, Pat. Mm-hmm. So he was asked about his number one accomplishment uh, as vice president, and this is what he came up with. Say again, I'm sorry? Your administration had eight years to deal with China. Well, I tell you what, we, we, we did an awful lot with China, and what we did with China, first of all, was we got them to join the Paris Peace Accord, the Climate Accord. Oh. We got them to change their direction in a number of areas in terms of foreign policy. <laughs> wow. The Paris Accord that we're no longer a part of? And not only that, the Paris Accord that does absolutely nothing? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, but climate denier Al Gore, listen to what he said about Paris. Even if all 195 nations, not 194, met their targets, it still wouldn't solve the problem. Uh, th- that is correct. Heck, however, <laughs> however, it sends a very powerful signal. A signal. Okay. That is correct. However, it, it sends a very powerful signal. Signal. Okay, so we're just sending signals now for that, trillions of dollars. Yeah, trillions just of dollars. You could sell a hell of it. You could throw a good party with with trillions wow. of dollars and yeah, uh, and a nice signal, which is both <laughs> both of those are worth it. I'm sure. You know, it's interesting because uh, the Jeez. the Paris Climate Accord, if fully implemented and fully followed, which is a standard that does not exist. Okay, these things never occur. You do not fully follow a climate treaty. It's never been done. You know, it's just not what you do uh, because these countries, you know, some of it is, in, you know, absolutely trying their best and, and failing. Mm-hmm. Some of it is, you know, in the cases of places like China, well, you just say you're hitting these goals and don't. Right. Who's who? How does anyone know? 
You're saying, well, yeah, uh, yeah we're gonna we're gonna turn off all the uh, fossil fuel factories. We've got a new system going on, less emissions. People aren't gonna know. It's not until much later on that they figure mm-hmm. out how much carbon you've released. It's an invisible gas, difficult to deal with <laughs> when, on an international level. Um, so the way this pl- Paris Climate Accord worked was to limit all of these you know, emissions for each uh, country with uh, with these things called INDCs. Now. NDC stands for nationally determined contributions. How many, how much, how much, how many, you know, tons of, of CO2 and other warming gases have you released? How much, what are your emissions? NDC. The I in that is intended. So legitimately, it is based on something called intended nationally mm. determined contributions. This is what we intend to do. That is what the treaty is about. Intentions. Now, that doesn't, it doesn't bind anybody. It doesn't hold anybody to anything. It's just, ah, we think we'll do around here. This is about the level that we think mm. we'll do. If fully implemented with people who's, who got into this telling you, not that we're going to do these things, but we just intend to do these things. If you got all of it done by the year 2100, if all the science is right and everyone uh, were to participate, it would go from, uh, we would supposedly save 0.05 degrees celsius which means instead of the earth warming as much as let's say 4.5 degrees it would be 4.45 degrees that is legitimately what the paris accord does which is nothing i mean it would make Mm -hmm. absolutely no difference you delay global warming by a few years if all of these countries came together and blew up their economies like they would for the paris climate accord Mm -hmm. not 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 worth it and like this is not something that is what about the powerful sig- signal um it sends what about that it, but, what about the powerful signal and that is really what they're doing right yeah like, they're sending a signal uh, look we intend to do something we'd like to do something yeah we're just not doing anything because there's really i think even they know deep down we can't control the climate no try no. as we may we can't control it. We can't. F- it's, it's it's lunacy. It's lunacy. So they have the what they say is we have to we must stop Pat. You know, tw- within 12 years, this is going to be irreversible. Unless you're unless you're better then it's 10. Then it's 10. It's, yeah. And by the way, the of that particular study, which is a different study, but that particular study, the authors of it said, no, that is not what we're saying. We're not saying it's 10 years. We're not saying it's 12 years. That is not what the study says. Thank you for asking us so that we can keep, so people stop saying it. And then I heard Bernie Sanders stop. heard Bernie Sanders on Joe Rogan the other day saying it again. They're still yep. saying it. These this, the yes, scientists they don't care. from the study have fact-checked this and said it's not true. And all these candidates are still saying it. Um, but the Paris Accord, as implemented, mm. would save 33 gigatons, 33 gigatons, of co2 okay well that sounds like a lot sounds like a lot a lot how much would you need to stop global warming and 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 all these horrible effects just the worst effects that wouldn't stop global warming but what are the worst effects you'd have to save 3066 gigatons so if you'll notice there there's it's a That's higher less, number oh yeah the yeah, gigatons they are saving or intend to save yeah. is lower than the necessary save <laughs> yes <laughs> okay. so their promises right. are huh. one one hundredth of what they say is necessary Jeez. and that's just their promises so that is how ridiculous this is and it would make no difference no difference at all 
Yet that is his biggest accomplishment as vice president. Way to go, middle class Joe. <laughs> that is terrific. And it's something that was immediately reversed when he lost an election. The yeah. next guy came in and was like, nah. Right. Like, that's not an accomplishment. There, nothing was accomplished with this treaty. Even if they stayed in it, nothing would be accomplished, but they couldn't even stay in it. This is how bad. I mean, he really doesn't Terrible. have a record. That's why he keeps saying Obama every five minutes. And, and can we bring this up one more time? Pat? Joe Biden was selected, handpicked as, the, as the, the second best person in America to be president by Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. like this, picking a vice president is not just something. Oh, I wanted I wanted to win Delaware really badly. He <laughs> won, he picked Joe Biden because in his mind, this guy was the second best person behind himself to be mm-hmm. president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Now we're they're on the debate stage. All of these candidates are attacking Barack Obama's record and saying, "You suck, you suck, you suck." The only person standing up for him is Joe Biden, and Barack Obama still won't endorse him. <laughs> think about that statement I, well I mean, Joe Bar- asked him not to in all fairness <laughs> Stu, Joe really thought it'd be unfair to the rest of the field right. to get the endorsement from Barack Obama Wouldn't that be something he asked him not to would that not be something you'd be interested in making <laughs> yes. it unfair for the rest of the field if you believe this guy was the second best man to be president in the uh, United yes. States Yes, you'd want that to be the case right Yes, you'd want him to win because you think he's really good and not to mention he's the only person defending your record and, and Obama's right. still silent on it. I mean, that is a hell of a statement. I don't know if he thinks... It makes me honestly think that Obama knows something about Biden that we don't. Whether it's performance level, mm-hmm. whether it is, um, you know, Health something related? he said. So, potentially. Yeah. I mean, or just something he says. An attitude he had behind the scenes that he wasn't aware of initially. I don't know what it is, but that is a devastating thing. You're telling me George W. Bush doesn't endorse Dick Cheney if he runs for of president? He of course he does. Yeah. Listen immediately. I mean, I, I, you know, and look, I can understand at some level saying, well, you're going to hold off. It's a big primary, blah, blah, blah. But like uh-huh. the way this has played out, <laughs> I heard I was listening to ABC News today and they it is so prominent now. That ABC News this morning says, and you know, Joe Biden, uh, he, or, excuse, Joe Biden was with Barack Obama, and Barack Obama was known as the deporter-in-chief, and blah, 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 blah. Wait, what, what are you talking about? He was not known as the deporter-in-chief. Not when he was president. This is something that's coming around right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we really, I, I was actually thinking, I would love to do, I, I was hosting the TV show the last couple of weeks, but if I had another, if I had more time to do, uh, if I was doing it next week as well, I'm not, Glenn is back. But I would, I think I would do a monologue about, in defense of Barack Obama. <laughs> and just like, let me tell you, let me tell you, Democrats, I'm going to defend him here. He actually sucked on the border. So don't worry about it. He was not yeah. good. Yes, he deported a bunch of criminal aliens and his numbers were high in that one regard. But he was not good on the border. Don't worry. Plenty of illegal immigrants came across. <laughs> the main reason those numbers were lower is because the economy was so bad, uh, largely due to his presidency. Uh, and what, of course, what, what led into it, but what, uh, why it was so bad for so long was because of the way he handled it. And that led to people not really wanting to come all that badly here. So, yes, some of those mm-hmm. numbers went down. But don't worry. He was really cool about letting everybody come across the border. <laughs> don't bash this guy. You love him. I, it's like they've lost all connection. It's Pat and Stu. For Glenn on the Glenn Beck program, 888 
727-BECK. Say what you will about Joe Biden. The guy is incredibly generous uh, to the rest of the field. Uh, who could forget his generosity? When Why he said, didn't President Obama endorse I asked President Obama not to endorse. And oh, he wow. doesn't want to. We should. <laughs> he did, whoever wins what? this nomination should win it on their own merits. <laughs> okay. All right. He asked him not to. It just, uh, come on. It's It's not fair to say Elizabeth Warren if... Obama got into this too on my side, right? Because I wouldn't want—I wouldn't it. want to have an advantage in no, this competition no. to run the free world. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. I w- so ludicrous. That would be so wrong, you know. And Barack was on his way. He's walking up to the podium, and I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, Barack! Don't no, no, just for just on issues of fairness, fairness." I want to spread the votes around. Yeah. People, you know, you've got a 95% approval rating among the Democratic voters right now. (laughs) So why would I want your endorsement? Now, sure, you're at 99 among black voters, and it's not 99 to 1. It's literally 99 to 0 with 1% undecided. But I don't want want your help. That would not be uh, helpful to me at all. Now, I'm going to say your name in every answer I give the entire campaign. I'm going Mm -hmm. to invoke your presidency mm-hmm. and try to be on your coattails the whole time but no please don't <laughs> tell everyone that i would be the best guy to continue your legacy i mean this is just absurd of course it, it would be game changing i said when i was watching the debate and they were all beating up on uh on obama's presidency i was right you know live tweeting the event i was like the best thing that can happen right now i just want to see it happen is I, I, barack obama sitting at home and he's watching this and they're all just attacking his Barack Obama's presidency, mm-hmm. and Joe Biden's the only one up there defending him. Just in the one of the they go, they go to commercial, and Barack Obama tweets his endorsement, and they come back and they've got to ask all these people and see it on their faces that they realize that Obama has endorsed Joe Biden. Because I know to yeah. this audience, Obama's endorsement means nothing. It means I'm going to vote for somebody oh, else. To Democrats, but to it's Democrats, everything. the guy's God still. Yeah, I mean he still is. Yeah. Now he didn't go as socialist as they want today, but that's revisionist history. It is, and that's largely from the political class. The, the average voter mm-hmm. who is a Democrat sees Obama's uh, presidency as very positive and sees it even more positively because they really don't like Trump. So this guy, if, if Barack Obama were to come out and say, look, Joe Biden's the guy, he should be the next president Puts of the United States. Puts him over States. the edge, I think. It does. It probably does. Mm-hmm. Now, he could still screw it up. Joe is an expert at this. But it would put him up by another 10 points. It's a bi- That's a big endorsement in the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. The fact that Joe acts as if he doesn't want it is absurd. If he didn't want it, he wouldn't be bringing his name up in every answer at, at every debate. Right. 888-727-BECK. Pat and Stu for Glenn. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. With Pat and Stu, uh, Pat Gray, Stu Bergier. You can check out Pat Gray Unleashed every weekday morning. Uh, it's on 6 to 8 Central, which is 7 to 9 Eastern. And then if you don't like to get up that early in the morning, you can listen to it anytime you want on a podcast, wherever you get those podcasts, like iTunes or SoundCloud, MySpace. There's a little bit too much urgency in your show. You're really covering the news of the day. I like to listen to mm-hmm. podcasts from several months ago. Oh, Are yeah. those available? Yes. Okay. Yes, you can Ooh. listen to those as well. I like to just know yeah. what's going on. What was the news of the day in, mm-hmm. in April? Yeah, we you have know? that. And we you have, have that. that. That's available. I can get it that anytime. It's available anytime. I just don't want to pay as much as I need to probably. Yeah, it's probably it, too expensive. How does zero dollars sound? Wow. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Very good. It's an incredible bargain. <laughs> it's a good value. Yeah. Normally that sells for ninety nine, ninety five, ninety nine. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, but but now 
Uh, it's free. To, it's one hundred percent off. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Pat, limited time only. Of course. You. I think you might want to raise those prices because I think you're about to be boycotted. Really? I do. Uh-oh. I do. I've been hearing a lot about this, and my understanding is, if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, you need to be boycotted. If oh. you voted for Donald Trump, especially, well, because you you're a white him. nationalist, right? Right. Automatically, a racist and a white nationalist. Yes. If you voted for Trump. That is what MSNBC is letting you know, and I mean, they're just one example. But this is uh, an MSNBC analyst, Rick Stengel, talking about Trump supporters and and whether you should boycott them or not. Okay. People boycotted apartheid products. Remember, years ago, yeah. you wouldn't yeah. buy stock or a com- or product from sure. any company that supported apartheid South Africa. Why isn't there not that same thing with, with, with people who support Donald Trump and their products Great. and their companies? Great and there question. has been with Equinox this past week. <laughs> Great oh, question. God, I've got a lot of... <laughs> Why isn't there? Why isn't the same thing, Pat? Can you think of? Let me. I ask you this honestly. You're a smart guy. You put a lot of thoughts into things. Can you think uh, of one difference between, between 2019 America and apartheid yeah. South Africa? Is there any? No. Is there any distinction? <laughs> no. You would make between um, those because I, I there's a I can think of one minor. Can one. you? Because yes. I'm, I'm hard pressed. I can't. You want me to give it to you? All right. Northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere. Okay, that's that's the only thing I could come up I with. I should have found that one. You know, and, I mean, it's so close. Yeah, it's basically the same policies. As you know, black people are not allowed to be employed here in the United States. They're all separate. Now, some people would note that the black unemployment rate is as low as it's ever been in history. Some people would would note that. Huh. And say maybe that's not the same situation as apartheid. Maybe. maybe it's a little different. Yeah, maybe. Maybe stealing the land oh and gosh. raising the people, and uh, I mean, uh, the destruction that went on <laughs> in apartheid South Africa, a tad different. Isn't that the same guy who did the Nazi thing with him, too? Didn't he? Is that the same? Is it the same guy? I don't know. I think it is. I do remember that. What is this guy's name? Rick Stengel. <sighs> Wow, maybe it's a different guy. Yeah, that guy was, was it Figliusi or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a different guy. That yeah. was the, You're talking about the HH guy? Yes. He said because Donald yes. Trump was putting the flag back up on <laughs> uh, August 8th, that meant He thought eight, it eight, had eight, Heil is, Hitler significance. Yes, because 8-8 eight, eight is HH. The H, H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, so HH equals Heil Hitler. Said this on national television, by the way. This was, this was a point, a serious point made on national television. Just like this one Just from like this one. Apartheid. Uh, and it's, it's amazing. Wow. What I find most amazing about it, though, is not that there's people who are a little bit unhinged when it comes to Donald Trump. We know that. It's not people who are unhinged coming against any Republican president. We know that happened. I mean, they used to call mm-hmm. Bush a terrorist every day on television. I mean, this is not new. What I'm fascinated about, though, is just the, the lack of ability to learn. To mm-hmm. learn a very important lesson. Arguably... Hillary Clinton is not president of the United States because she made a statement uh, about the Donald Trump supporters being a basket of deplorables. You, of course, remember this because it was the, one of the biggest things in the entire campaign. And everyone went around and said, we're the deplorables. And, and it became a rallying cry. And remember, this election turned on three states and about 70,000 votes. So this is not something that needed to be, a, 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 you know, to take over the entire election. It was a very close election. And, you know, I think you could make a a sensible argument that that moment for Hillary cost her the election. It's you can't exactly tie it scientifically. Of course, you're never going to be able to pull it up. But I mean, Mm -hmm. 70,000 votes was not a lot to, to move on a statement that well publicized. Now, to go back to 2016 for a second, 
you can make a really legitimate case that what Hillary Clinton said was true. And actually, you can make a case that what she said about deplorables is true about every candidate that has ever run a race. In every single instance, every candidate has followers who are, you would put in the category of, I'm proud to have those followers, and you'd put some in the category of, I mean, I'm glad they're voting for me, but I really don't want to be associated with them. Right. And all, all Hillary Clinton was doing was saying, look, there is a, a basket of deplorables, these awful people that actually are racist and all these things, and we don't, we're not, never going to get them. But there are a lot of other people in the Republican Party who we can get to vote for me. Right there, there are a lot of those people who are are open to voting for us because they don't like the way Donald Trump acts, or they just are are moderates, or whatever it is. Like the way she stated it was really bad, and I think it may very well have cost her the election. However, the actual context of that statement, while she exaggerated it, is largely true, and it's largely true with every single candidate. What have they done to learn from that moment, though? They now are saying there is no exception. Everyone who votes for Donald Trump, who is a Republican, is a racist. Everyone should be boycotted. Everyone should be uh, uh, vilified. Instead of saying a slice of them are bad, which is what Hillary said, they're now saying Mm -hmm. all of them are bad. They've just tripled and quadrupled down on the strategy that lost them the last election. And they continue to do it day after day after day. If... If you were, if there was a, a book, a tell-all that came out after this election, and we found out that Democrats were doing everything they could do to lose by as much as possible, I would believe that it was ac- actually accurate. I, I, mm-hmm. it's, it's fascinating the way they are, they are handling this. They're going as socialist as they can. They're vilifying every voter that could possibly come into their, into their, uh, into their pocket. They are just, they are trying to lose this, and they may very well do it. Let's hope so. <laughs> This is the Glenn Beck Program. Warning. If you're buried in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies make you think you have to pay it all back. Because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Answers at 800-970-9159. If you're struggling to pay off your debt, do not let the credit card companies make you think you have to. Call Credit Answers now for free information on how to get out of debt faster than you ever thought possible, without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We offer a guarantee with no upfront fees, so there's no risk. For free information, visit creditanswers.com or call 800-970-9159. That's 800-970-9159. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Pat and Stu in for Glenn. Glenn is back on Monday, by the way. Uh, So get excited. Uh, There is a... A story that kind of would tie into what we were just talking about, about the deplorables, but it is being, I think, completely, completely misrepresented uh, to the American people and, and largely by conservative audiences and conservative media right now. There's a new movie coming out called The Hunt. Now, if you saw, if you watched the Democratic debates, they ran a bunch of ads in the Democratic debates for this movie, The Hunt. Mm-hmm. And I, when I saw them, I was like, oh, I, I'm in. I can't wait to see this. I know I like these types of movies. It, it is a, a movie about essentially people kind of wake up in a field and 
realize they're being hunted by some other people and it's you know the, the mm. way they kind of um explain it is they it comes off the the previews are are great they're just like uh it looks like you need to get away to a upscale experience where and it's like a hunting lodge it's like a commercial for a hunting lodge and then you realize mm-hmm. about halfway through that they're hunting actual people um you know so it's a mm. horror movie and pretty intense it comes from Blumhouse, uh, which is you know, they've made a lot of the big horror movies over the past, you know, five to ten years. Um, and and they others. usually make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. Cost very little, and it, then make a lot. Yeah, and they've had some, you know, some of their movies have uh, been up for Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, they've, I mean, they've had some, you know, real success, and they've told great stories. The issue here, though, is that people, and, and you don't get this from the previews, but the reporting about the movie, they are saying that. Uh, Essentially, what happens is the people in the field being hunted are uh, have were called in the movie deplorables, and they appear to be essentially red staters of some sort. I don't know that it's mm. specific to Trump, but it's some sort of like you know red staters, and they're being hunted by like liberals, and this is apparently like. Uh, uh, apparently to somebody I, I don't know who but apparently to somebody this is uh, offensive on the conservative side and because they're saying well these people are being hunted they're going and they're this is a bad th- a message to send now there's been some controversy about the um movie because in the wake of you know the shootings and all of this mm-hmm. sometimes these things get rescheduled some places have pulled ads for the movie because you know it's obviously a violent storyline um, and this happens, it's happened a million times in the past. I mean, I can remember Arlington Road. Do you remember that movie Arlington Road? It had uh, Tim Robbins in it. Um, it was in the mid-90s. was supposed to come out, I want to say it was a week or two, maybe it was a month or two after Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City bombing. And it was a movie about a white terrorist uh, who was kind of a Timothy McVeigh-ish who was, you know, mm. setting off bombs and such. Mm-hmm. And people were like, eh, I don't know if we want to release this right after. And they wound up delaying it and it came out later. So this stuff does happen. And, you know, there's, not, it's, there's nothing you can do if you're a movie company, right? You can't predict the news. But the, what I, I keep coming back to, and I just don't understand how you could, you could look at it any other way, is that I don't know there's ever been a movie in history in which this set, this setup is the same. Let's say that there is a a bunch of really rich evil people that kidnap a bunch of people, throw them into a field, and start hunting them. Who is the good guy in this situation? It's it's not it's not the, the liberals guys in the field, fight. right? Exactly. Yeah. This is a movie that I think quite clearly is set up that the the red state team is the good team. Yeah. Right. The other people yes. have kidnapped them. They've drugged them. They've left them in a field and have started firing without explanation at them in the field. Uh huh. This is not a movie that is set up to vilify the right. This is a movie in which you have to imagine the right is the hero of the movie. Yes. The people in the field are the ones. You would think so. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine like that. You know, it's a five second movie. It opens up. They're in the field. They all fire at them. They're all dead, and it's over. Like that's not a movie. Mm-hmm. And again, this comes from Blumhouse. This is the same uh, company that produced the movie Get Out. Now, Get Out was, I believe, nominated for Best uh, Picture and a bunch of other things. But if you ever saw that movie, it is a movie quite clearly about white liberals and their racism. That is what the movie is about. It is the topic mm-hmm. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, in there, the the most evil people in the movie who are trying to do really bad things to black people... At one point, they actually say uh, he defends his racism 
This is a guy who's, you know, basically murdering African-Americans. Defense is racism by, say, I, by saying, well, but I voted for Obama. <laughs> right? like, this is, now, I'm not saying that Blumhouse is some right-wing outfit. It's not. But they are willing to chase a good story no matter what when it comes to politics. Mm-hmm. That's what they will do. And they've shown this over and over again. I, like, it's a really interesting concept for a movie. It's ballsy. And yeah. I mean, the idea though that conservatives would, would be the one complaining about to it. Be pissed off exactly. About it. Yeah. I would be. Cons- I would expect yeah. liberals to be pissed off at that concept, not conservatives. Yeah. I mean, I mean, unless the movie takes a really strange twist, I can't imagine the people in the field getting shot at are the bad guys, right? Like that would be a very. That's way beyond M Night Shyamalan <laughs> when it comes to the twist. You know what? The the liberals with all the millions of dollars that kidnap people they are were doing the right thing. Innocent women in a field. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was right. The end. <laughs> Vote Elizabeth Warren. I don't think that's how this ends. Health concerns are a sad part of life. I mean, it seems like there's always something that either hurts or bothers us health-wise, right? Well, if that's you, you really need to see what CBD products can do for your health. CBD may offer many of the health benefits of marijuana, but without the high. So it's 100% legal and requires no prescription from CBDistillery.com. The health testimonials are impressive. Like this customer who wrote, I highly recommend CBD to everyone. It's done a complete turnaround for me. Another customer wrote, CBD made a big difference in my health. Look, if you haven't tried CBD for that health concern, you should. But where you get CBD products is crucial. With independent lab tests and nearly a quarter million customers, you can trust CBDistillery.com. See what CBD can do for your health. Go to CBDistillery.com and enter RELIEF for 20% off. Again, enter RELIEF for 20% off at CBDistillery.com. CBDistillery.com. Stu for Glenn Beck, triple eight seven two seven B E Z K. Let's go to Kevin in Ohio. Hey Kevin, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Hey, Stu's absolutely right. This is President Trump's "Read My Lips, No New Taxes" moment. Wow. And I would never vote for a mm. socialist Democrat or a communist Democrat, but I will stay at home. Let the people have the government that they deserve. I tell you what mm. makes absolutely no sense to me is you've, under these red flag laws, you supposedly identified somebody who's a danger to himself or others. So much so, you're willing to force your way into his home and take his firearms. But yet, you're going to leave the individual who's a danger to himself or others to roam free? Right. How ridiculous is that? You're arresting the yeah. gun, but you're going to leave the, the problem for <laughs> Oh, and that's a great point too, especially when it comes to being a danger to himself. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, you know, you don't you need a bottle of pills, right? If you're a danger to yourself, mm-hmm. you you need a rope if you're a danger to yourself. If they're that big of a danger, the gun is a very small part of the concern, as we pointed out a, a million times. I mean, many of these countries, Russia, for example, has one tenth the gun ownership rate that we have, and yet its suicide and homicide rate are more than double ours. Why? That somehow they're fi- they're figuring out a way to kill uh, people and themselves, usually with something like polonium two two twelve or whatever it was. They, <laughs> thing, sometimes it's very strange nuclear um, items, but other times it's just you know good old fashioned normal killings 
that -hmm. happened long before there were guns and it will happen long after uh we're all dead that's the way that works you can you can kill yourself you can kill others without guns that's a great point because you especially when you're talking about leaving someone think about think about this moment for a second you're in a, a situation where you're a danger to yourself someone comes in and says look you're a danger to yourself we're taking your guns away they leave the house the house is now silent you're sitting there and now you realize that not only are you depressed and a danger to yourself but now everyone knows it the police know it uh someone's reporting you people around you are talking about you behind your back you're in a much worse space than you were just five minutes earlier that is not a good formula not a formula for success there it's ridiculous uh mark in ohio hi you're on the glenn beck program good morning morning good morning kids um I just wanted to explain the Joe Biden situation. Okay. I think it's very well explained by a song by legendary jazz artist Mose Allison in his song called Your Mind is on Vacation and Your Mouth is Working Overtime. <laughs> that is that is a that could be the Joe Biden campaign slogan. Uh I would I would agree. I don't know I don't know if I could go too deep in the catalog of Mose. Um but uh that one definitely works. You don't have the entire works of Mose Allison? I don't. Huh. Weird. I don't. All right. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was quite a musical reference. It was, uh, but it's, I mean. It's a first. But yeah, the song seems pretty appropriate uh, because, yeah, the guy, I mean, and it's getting worse with him, as we mentioned last hour. Yeah. Uh, Biden's getting worse every day. Middle class Joe is breaking down a little bit. Something's going on there. Yeah, because you, you have, um, when you go into a big a clutch moment right mm-hmm. you know you have uh a little rust if you haven't been there in a while and and this is this was shown i think pretty well with barack obama in his first debate with mitt romney he came out of the gate you know rusty yeah i mean he got destroyed, destroyed him by romney time. in that first debate and it looked like for yeah. the first time i think wait a minute romney might actually win this thing except in the next debate he took his foot completely off, off the, the gas, gas and, and slammed on the brakes same thing in the third debate right i mean he was bad in the Not next good. two so i mean it didn't wind up making a big difference but that first debate was it, it took obama a minute to remember what it was like to be in battle yeah. Right. Because he had mm-hmm. been, you know, he said he's yes, he's arguing with talk show hosts and, you know, he has some problems with senators here and there. But it's a different job, you know, like mm-hmm. governing is different than running a campaign. And so getting in front of that crowd is, is a big deal. I mean, you remember, this, you know, like Jordan coming back from playing basketball uh, or from baseball, uh, you know, like he had some spectacular games, but it took a while to shake off the rust. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe Biden, you know, there's very little comparison to Michael Jordan. <laughs> when it comes to joe biden like none like he wasn't good at this mm-hmm. before no so now he comes back he has this real really bad debate and you say was that the same situation as you know obama romney won where he's shaken off rust and he's going to get better he was i would say a little better in debate number two but the rust is not going away and this is a guy who made these mistakes before when he was sharp this is a tough road. I mean, he mm-hmm. very well, and we said this from the beginning, very well might not make it through this. There's a really long a, way to as go. A winner. And, you know, we look at we look at some of the candidates at zero or one, two percent, yeah. and we think, what, why are they even in this? But then you forget, at about this time in the campaign, that's where Bill Clinton was. He was at two percent. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't realize it was that. I, yeah, mean, I think it, it was like a year and a half before the election. He was right around two yeah. and just came storming out and so yeah could happen again again you know i I can't remember the exact date but i mean this in the campaign cycle of 2016 trump had basically just announced 
If yeah. you go back to 2016, right. that's about where we were. Yeah. Trump, had, I think he had been, I think he announced in July. I think it was July he announced. Seems like, yeah. It could have been June, but it was not. I don't, I don't think it was earlier than that. Uh, it was, it's one of those things where it, this feels like it's going on forever, but we're still early here. Very. And, you know, the, the, the first, uh, uh, you know, we, Iowa comes up after the new year. So you have right now from August to the end of the year where you have a couple of debates mixed in. You have a couple of big things, but no, no voting. So you're going to go all the way past Christmas to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll come back from that break, and that's when election season starts. Not campaigning, not running, not you know debating, any of that. Votes are going to be cast in weeks, and that's where this thing gets, gets decided. But that's a long, long time from now still. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn. Uh, what a country we live in. Just a hateful, nasty, racist, xenophobic country where... You know, sometimes people who just happen to come here in a non-documented way. Oh, thank you. Get scooped up in this powerful machine and then churned out and spit out and spewed all over the ground. Mm. I, you know, I didn't realize that working to support your family was a crime. <laughs> I didn't know that humans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. could be Illegal. illegal. But no human in, can be illegal. In Trump's America, you're darn right that can happen. Uh, uh, right. Because, you know, never right. before had a president deported a person. Well, and that now, they had quite now, a few times, but still. Well, those times you were You know, just those different. times. Different. Yeah, because it wasn't this guy doing it. Right. This guy does it in a hateful <laughs> way. So they, they have the biggest single state immigration enforcement action in U.S. history that goes on the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 680 people are uh, rounded up at uh, food mm. processing plants and basically arrested for being a human being. Yeah, trying to feed their families. Trying to feed their families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is shown as like, this is, look, this proves how bad of a guy Trump is. It shows how hateful U.S. immigration policy is. And it's fascinating to look at it because already... Now, we are two days since this occurred. Already half of the people have been just released. <laughs> half of them have already been released. Which is not deported. Not deported. Just, just released. released back into the country to do what they were doing. Yeah. Why? Because, well, you know, they're saying, well, you know, they, they have children. They need to take care of their children. They have medical concerns. They have, you know, there's a hundred different reasons why they're being uh, uh, released. But, like, this is the most intense action in U.S. history. Already, two days later, half of them have already been released. And, you know, mm. there's, a, there's a question here of how these things occur. A lot of times, I feel like justifiable actions by the Trump administration are not executed properly. They, get it, they can be a little sloppy. I mean, this happened a lot mm-hmm. more when people like uh, Steve Bannon were around. And Steve Bannon would come into the office one day and just belch out an executive. And it would be like a, he'd, he'd drink too much root beer and he'd burp out an executive order. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it would just go into effect. And everyone, people, people who were like in charge of, you know, enforcing it are sitting around going, I never even heard word one about this. What's going on? And there'd be chaos. And it hurt a lot of those early days of the Trump administration because people like Bannon were so incompetent. Uh, and of course, obviously, Trump. Uh, became wildly aware of that, which is why they they don't chat all that much these days. You know, Bannon was out for himself, and I think everybody now knows that. But you look at this and you say, you know, if 
you're going to release people who need to go home to their families or have medical situations or whatever it is. Why don't you know that half of them are under this circumstance before the raid? So that you're not necessarily arresting 680, you're arresting the, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or you have... Yes. You have a way to deal with these situations rather than just... Because, I mean, arresting them and releasing them, what does this do? Waste time. It wastes time. Effort, it, it alerts money. them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they can now go to another area, mm-hmm. right? Just take their family, mm-hmm. go to another area of the country and pick up another job and do go to another food processing plant, right? I do think that the end game of this, you know, look, rounding up illegal immigrants um, that have committed a crime. Well, it's not, this is not just rounding up people because humans are illegal. This is These are people that have committed crimes. In fact, the first thing they did in this nation with the very first step they took was a criminal action. Mm-hmm. That is something that is not should not just be dismissed. We, we do, whether you like the law or not, you need to make sure you follow it. I will tell you this. There's one law that I really, really super duper don't like. And I would really, really like to not participate in it. I'd love to avoid it completely. It's called the income tax. Not a fan of it. Would like to not pay it. Do pay it, though. Have to. I do. I think it sucks. Otherwise, you might be separated from your family. I might be separated from my family. Would they separate American citizens from their family? (laughs) Yes, they do it all the time. Oh, wow. For crimes crimes, uh, all around the spectrum. Serious ones and and not so serious ones. They will separate you from your family. Mm. That is how our legal system works. And so I I would say that the real target of these things should not necessarily be, though, the average person working at the plant. It's the people running the plant. We've got to make these people who Mm -hmm. are hiring hundreds. Look, hiring one illegal immigrant, hiring a few that you don't know about is one thing. Hiring 700 at a plant is not something that you're doing unintentionally. Like This is something when you you're running your entire operation based on illegal immigrant labor. That is the much larger problem uh, than any individual case. These companies do need to be punished for this stuff. Yeah, it's what I it's what I mean when I say uh, we've got all, we already have existing laws on the books mm-hmm. to deal with a lot of these problems. We don't enforce U.S. law, so you need to secure the border. You need to enforce U.S. law, and just those two actions will take care of a lot of this. And one of those things that you have to enforce is is employers hiring. On purpose, uh, as part of their business plan, illegal, so they don't have to pay them as much. Um, they're just trying to get a deal, and they're just trying to get, essentially, indentured servants in their place of business. And it's wrong. Yeah. And, and we need to put a stop to that. What's fascinating about that is somehow the continuation of the indentured <laughs> servitude is the compassionate side of the argument. Somehow saying, mm-hmm. you know what, we should pay... A bunch of illegal immigrants below minimum wage and all these things. We say, The living wage, remember that argument? It's got to yeah. be $15 an hour to these people. Right. But it's okay to pay illegal immigrants $3 an hour. Yeah. That's totally fine. That's compassionate. Right. I, it's, it's really fascinating. Somehow they are able successfully to paint a side of the argument that says, yes, continue breaking laws as far as pay goes continue yep. uh, breaking laws as far as working conditions go continue breaking laws uh, as far as immigration goes and you know these people are living in the shadows continue to let them live in the shadows that's the compassionate side of the argument yeah so is so is the fact that we're not well they don't what do you mean they should learn english what who are you to say what language is to get along to get ahead if they don't learn english they will never they'll always be doing what they're doing right now 
They will never get ahead. They will always be at poverty level. And, you, and you're just encouraging that. There's nothing they If they don't learn the language in this country, they will never succeed in this country to the level that they could. They could achieve a lot here if they would learn the language. Uh, but Democrats know that they can, they can keep them uh, dependent upon them and their agenda. Uh, and that'll keep them in power. If they can, if they can just encourage them to do a, a couple of things: keep working in the jobs they're working in, and uh, keep speaking the, your native tongue. Uh, it's real, it's not that much, right? It, and they're the ones who are uncompassionate. Uh, here, uh, my recommendation for the United States of America is that we should embrace the English language at least as much as the country of Belize. If we can just get to that level, what is it? What is it in Belize? Belize, the official, official the official language of the of Belize is English. So wow, every, just period, just English. Yes, yeah, so Spanish you go as well. every every sign, every document has English uh, on it. You every place you go, you wow. can read English. Um, and why can Belize do it? Adopt. Yeah, the English language as their official language, and we can't we we can't be as as British uh, as as Belize. It's amazing. We can't, I mean, that is a that's a strange uh, it's a strange development. Mm-hmm. You know, we should. It, it's okay that people speak other languages, obviously, I, and there's no reason that that we are a society that allows all sorts of different cultures, and we take the best parts from them to build our culture. That is really what our culture is. It's it's the yep. best of everybody else. That's why we're so great. We're an all star team. Okay, that's what we are. We take all the best things from everybody else, and 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 we combine it into the into the American experience. It's great, but like you have to have some standards and and make mm-hmm. it easy. Now, look in the United States, pretty much it is the official language. Just the market has said that, uh, but it does. It, there is a it, so it's easy for us, right? It's easy for mm-hmm. people who speak English. It's not easy though for uh, someone who is an immigrant here, and, and let's just say a legal immigrant here, to come here and say, "Look, I, I want to participate in the system." And then we're told that it's hateful for them to learn the language that would help them participate in the system the best way possible. Exactly. That's, there's nothing hateful about wanting people to do the best that they can. No. And that's what that when, <laughs> if you want to do the best that you can in this country, you have to you have to learn English. Yeah, you, you do. To, unless you're you know and you're you're in Little Havana, there are places where like you can get away with speaking one language that is not English for the rest of your life probably. But it's very it's they're, they're little pockets, and then you're forced to remain in that little pocket, or you can't flourish. That's well, not okay. It, and when you turn it around, it, it's so easy to comprehend. If I went to Mexico, I'm not going to get ahead in Mexico unless I learn Spanish. If I go to Russia, I'm not going to. I'm going to flounder there until I learn Russian. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah, and I will say this too: you probably can get away with it with English because English is in certain so places, prominent yeah. you can in Europe, actually yeah you could probably you can actually you can get away with okay. it i mean if there is a, an yeah. official language of the world it's probably english absolutely um, and at least at this it's point it's the language in which business is conducted exactly it's just like the us dollar's the standard you know it, mm-hmm. it's the same way with english so you can get away with it in a lot of situations that's not the case with every language and it's very difficult especially coming to the united states and trying to get to a point where you do, you have to at least get proficient you don't have mm-hmm. to be. You don't have to be, have mastery per se, but you have to be at least proficient. I mean, how many times have you talked to someone trying to do business with them and they can't understand the words you're saying in the language you're speaking? Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Imagine that's your everyday. I mean, there is legitimate compassion to have for people who come here and are trying to do their best, and at the same time are being told by everybody on the left 
that they don't have to do any of these things that would actually improve their lives. It's, it's like you're encouraging them to stay in their place. That's what the left does. That's exactly what they're doing. Yes, that's, that's what they do with minorities, and that's what they do with, with immigrants who come here. And that's how they think they are going to maintain their power base. Mm. Pat Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. Are, have you been following this story, Stu, about this, uh, this guy, just a baseball fan, apparently, who during a rain delay at a Rockies game last month went down to their uh, speed pitch challenge booth. Sure. It's got a radar gun in there. Mm-hmm. You can go down there and see how hard you throw. So he goes down there and starts throwing the ball, and his first his first pitch is 90 miles an hour, which is pretty pretty impressive. Pretty good, yeah. I mean, the average run-of-the-mill person on the street probably throws about 50 or 60. Yeah, I mean, I've gone to those booths before, and you, and you think you're throwing the ball hard, and you're like, it's like 68, <laughs> yeah. 72. You're yeah. Like, it's like, it? wow, that's like Little League Baseball. <laughs> Come on. Really? Uh, the next two. And then, by the way, your arm is sore for yeah. a month. <laughs> yeah, you better loosen up a little before yeah. you try to do that. For sure. But the next two pitches were 94. Jeez. On his sixth pitch, his sixth and eighth pitches were 96 miles an hour. Now, did this guy know he was a really good pitcher, or was uh, it? It doesn't really, but I believe he did know, but one of his friends was taping him, and they they posted posted it. <laughs> Uh, and uh, two days it, later, it's like how every everything happens these days. Yeah, you have to see. It has to be a viral video or nothing occurs. Right, right. And it became a viral video. The Oakland Ath- uh, the Oakland Athletics just signed him to a minor league contract. <laughs> that's, I, awesome. that's incredible. I mean, yeah, if you can hit ninety six without really even you need playing to get every day, at least a tryout. You got to be on. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. want to play baseball, now look, minor league baseball. The life of a minor league baseball player is not one that you necessarily want to choose. It's hard, right? You're Yeah, you're you're taking buses. You're taking uh, buses city everywhere. To city. The pay's not super great. No, it's not good at all. And really. so, yeah. And so and it's it's a tough life. You're staying in hotels, you're traveling a lot. It's but not But you for work everybody. your way through and you get to the majors. That's big. Now, you know, you're set. You're set. If if you get a big contract, you're set, but even you know, even for nor- I mean, what is minimum salary around 500 grand at this point? I mean, even minimum salary is still a nice life. Yes, very. So then uh this guy who runs a uh what is the Oh, it's called Pitching Ninja. Oh, you it's great. Yeah. This, right? If you like baseball, it's a great Twitter follow uh, because he, you know, posts highlights of you know just great pitches, like incredible curveballs. He'll show you like guys throwing 102 miles an hour, or he'll he'll overlay a fastball and a curveball from the same pitcher, and you get to see how hard it is to actually really cool. hit. It's pro- it's, it's just a cool thing if you love baseball. Yeah. Um, last Thanksgiving, uh, pitching ninja posted a video of a guy, some pitcher in the independent leagues. So mm-hmm. it's not, not part of MLB, right? Not associated with any yeah major league team right. like no, normal minor league teams are. Guy's name was uh, Tyler Grover, and he was throwing a hundred miles an hour, a mm-hmm. hundred miles an hour, and uh, the uh, Cincinnati Reds saw it and signed him almost <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it's just incredible. That's amazing. It is amazing. But if you can throw 100 miles an hour, you're a definite prospect for the major leagues. Certainly. As long as you can put it somewhere near the plate. Yeah. I mean, if you get, right? you get professional instruction. And, and you might you know. need another pitcher, too. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't guarantee you're in the majors, but right. it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice indicator. Yes, it <laughs> it's is. It's a nice indicator. Because there's not a lot of human beings that can throw a ball 100 miles an hour. I'm also fascinated at this phenomenon of how <laughs> things like YouTube make, uh, like make real-life things happen. You know, it's like um, Bill Cosby's a great example of this. Bill Cosby 
oh, was accused yeah. of rape a zillion times. <laughs> right. Right. And he, he had cases about it. He had been accused. It had been in the news. And it was nothing. The guy was living out his ears. And then a comedian does a, a rant. It goes viral. And now the guy's in prison Pretty for the rest of his life. Pretty soon the guy's life. tried and convicted. <laughs> like, like, I don't Yeah. I don't know if that's the right way for <laughs> justice to happen, but it happens with so many things now. If you can get something to go viral, it changes your entire life, and, and people yeah. jump on the bandwagon. It really is fascinating. Sometimes Amazing. for good reasons, sometimes not so good, but you know, sometimes it ruins lives uh, as well. Not Cosby. He deserved his life to be ruined, but you know, mm-hmm. we've seen things like Covington, for example. Uh, there's a bad outcomes and good outcomes, but it is, it's a part of our society now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. With Pat and Stu for Glenn, 888-727-BECK. Uh, got a new study about uh, sugar being the poison that it is. The can- it, Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a cancer poison or a poisoned cancer. Um, it tastes good, but it's killing you dead. And uh, you're going to drop over from it any minute now. That's basically, do I basically have it? <laughs> you do. Yeah. Uh, a small glass of juice or soft drink a day is linked to increased risk of cancer. <laughs> um, in case it, you didn't know that. A small glass of juice or soda a day is linked to an increased risk of cancer, study finds from is CNN. There, is there anything not linked to an increased risk of cancer? Thank you. Everything is. Is there anything I can ingest that doesn't do that? This is like the, the, I don't think the answer to that is, is uh, I don't think there is anything that's safe. Like they had a, uh, one thing they do all the time is they'll be like, did you see that cell phones are linked to cancer? Mm-hmm. And brain cancer? Brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, the UN has, has said that it is possibly carcinogenic. And you're like, okay, well that sounds pretty bad. Until you realize that the UN has, I think, tested 300 different substances uh, through this program. Mm-hmm. And they have, uh, how many have they decided are not carcinogenic? Um, none. <laughs> not Literally one. not one of them. <laughs> they have come up with, no, that doesn't cause cancer. Right. Wow. Because, I mean, who knows? Wow. At, 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 any, at some dosage, right? Who knows? Like Things like pickled vegetables, for example, are possibly carcinogenic, according to the UN. Um, you know, it's, it's 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 like to that level. Every single thing that pops up is possibly carcinogenic. Now, what if I eat just raw kale? Raw kale. You'll just, well, that, that's possibly suicidal. You'll, you'll, you'll uh, kill well, yourself. You're right. You will kill that yourself. That will kill you just from the taste. Yes. I don't know if they've tested kale or not. I, I do have a really good recipe for kale. Okay. You put coconut oil in a pan, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then... Yeah, some of these are really good, actually. Yeah. How does it work? It's, so well, it's you, co- just dr- like a drizzle? Yeah, like a drizzle. Yep. And then you just kind of swirl it around. Sure. Okay. You know, and then you put the kale in the pan with the coconut oil. Is it high heat or... It, it, no, you don't even turn on the heat yet. Okay. Uh, then you take the pan... Yep. And you put it over a garbage can, and then okay. the kale slides off right into the garbage really oh, wow. quickly. Because and it doesn't even stick to the pan at all. Oh, you it's put that great oil in there. Because I saw a lot of times Excellent. I have that issue where the where Excellent. the kale leaves right. are still on there. I got to wash it off. It yeah. takes a while. And you, it's like icky because you have to touch them and stuff. You right. don't have to do this with with my recipe. Oh wow! So so that works pretty works well. Really, I got to well. try that when I get home. Yeah. Can you? Would you put that out on your Twitter feed? That recipe just kind of so we can walk will, people yeah. through it. I think yeah. that would be really nice. Okay. Um, another one: our cancer <laughs> risks should not be sugar coated. Do you see what they did there? Oh wow! Do you see what they did there? I do. A new study points to a possible link between higher consumption of sugary <laughs> drinks and increased risk of cancer. 
Then you get soda and fruit juice linked to cancer in major study of sugary drinks <laughs> over and over and over and over again. If you saw these, if if you have had hassles from family members mm-hmm. that have now said you could never have another cookie or another glass of soda in your in your life. Or juice. Or juice. Even. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, if this has happened to you, it's interesting to look a little bit deeper into what the study actually says because... It, if you think political reporting sucks in this country, and I do, you wouldn't even imagine how much worse health and science reporting is. It is because, you know, at least in political reporting, like if if uh, if someone comes out and says something about Republicans, right, Republicans will at least fight back against it. They'll at least say, wait a minute. No, that's not true. Here's our argument mm-hmm. with health and science stuff. There's not really. Like, you know, you, the only people who make any noise about this stuff are, like, the corporation that sells you the soda. Like, they're the only people who come out and say, wait wait a minute, actually, like, look at the study, and no one believes them, right? Yep. No one's going to believe them because they're the ones selling you the soda, and they mm-hmm. think, oh, there's a profit motive there, and not these pure scientists <laughs> that are just saying saying this. And I will say, largely, it's not even a problem with the scientists. A lot of times, I think we say... Other scientists, you know, give us these crazy studies. You know, we always say this about like, oh, first it's butter is bad for you, and then margarine's bad for you, and then it's none of it's bad for you, and then all of it's bad for you. Well, what really is true about that is the reporting on those things suck. It's not the studies. Largely, it's the reporting on it that makes you, the reporting presents it as if the study says butter was bad, and now margarine is bad, and now butter is good, and now margarine is good. When you look at the actual studies, a lot of times what you find is it's very nuanced. It says it says things that probably are true. It doesn't make one of the two things the devil and the other thing God, like the reporting does. So we'll come back here in sixty seconds and we'll go through if 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 your wife or your husband has said, "Hey, you can never have another glass of orange juice because you're going to die of cancer." We'll give you the truth here in sixty seconds. This is the Glenn Beck program. A good night's sleep is a must for any of us who have a crazy schedule. I toss and turn an awful lot. Um, I have the right bed, uh, but I thought I had the right pillow. Mike sent me a my pillow, and it's an amazing thing. You gotta get the right my pillow for you. Mike is now offering his lowest price ever offered on TV or radio. You can get a two pack of my pillows premium pillows for just sixty nine ninety eight. That's only thirty four dollars ninety nine cents per pillow. And this offer is available only at mypillow.com or calling eight hundred nine six six thirty one seventeen. Use the promo code Beck. My pillow made in the USA. It comes with a sixty day money back guarantee and a ten. 10- year warranty sleep like i did 800-966-3117 and use the promo code back to get mike's offer you'll get a two-pack of premium pillows for 69.98 that's 34.99 per pillow that's mypillow.com remember promo code back So the study about sugar and cancer involved 100,000 people. Um, they asked them a bunch of questions it's about a their huge lives. Survey. It's a survey. Wow. One. Yeah, it's a big wow. one. It has some credibility to it. They monitored <laughs> them for a decade. So 100,000 people in France monitored over a decade. That's a, that should be a solid study. Yeah. Now, it's an observational study, and, and observational studies are different than the highest levels of scientific study. Like when you have yeah. a, the blind studies and... 
like there's a, there's sort of a hierarchy of scientific study. And you have a control group. Right. Did they do all that or not? No. So this is an okay. observational study. It's a lo- lower, basically, we would say it's mm. a lower quality study, though large. They split the group. Uh, they split the people into the groups of how much sugar they drank, either from juice or sugar sweetened beverages. This is just drinking sugar. This isn't ingesting sugar through like candy bars right. or cake or whatever which is a major thing like yeah if that's you happen huge. to be a person who drinks a lot of water but then nine slices of cake a day that's me right <laughs> well not nine slices of cake or not there's water. gonna be some pie in there too <laughs> you want to spread it around among all right. the baked groups and we can't leave out ice cream that'd be ridiculous ridiculous so so researchers found that people who drank more sugary beverages were about 20% higher risk of cancer, which is pretty significant, 20% yeah. higher risk. Uh-huh. They also found that drinking um, just a little bit of uh, soda, like one bottle of Coke per week, could increase your risk of cancer. What? Um, and this includes fruit One juice. Coke a week right. increases your risk of cancer. And here, th- you just what clicked on the story. What does that say for a guy? Yeah. <laughs> Who ingests 15 a day or whatever? Uh, Randomly. Are you saying this generally? Yeah, I'm just generally taking a guy who might drink, let's say Diet Coke. Okay. Well, hold on. We'll get get into that. Okay. What what I'm fascinated is Pat just did the thing (laughs) that people do with the media. It's why they write stories like this. Right. Wait, just one soda and I'm going to get cancer? Yeah. Click. Share, right? Retweet, you know, like, and that's what happens, and why they write the stories like this. So and you're saying that's. Let me give you the actual bad? perspective, and and look, there is something here, but let me tell you what it is. Okay. Uh, first of all, a few issues with the study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the first thing to note is cancer isn't one disease. Cancer is a huge group of conditions that we lump together. They looked at a whole range of different cancers, including pre and postmenopausal breast cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer, and bowel cancer. And while there was an increased risk from sh- drinking sugar. For all cancer, it was only true for one specific subtype, premenopausal breast cancer. So the idea being that every other type of cancer, it didn't show any increase at all. It only showed an increase in premenopausal breast cancer. Now, right off the bat, you think to yourself, you know, is it possible that drinking sugary drinks and i'm, I'm thinking i probably don't have a risk <laughs> right. for premenopausal breast it's, cancer i feel like that's it's low. my first feeling and i'm going back to juice yeah. <laughs> right right off the bat you're going to eliminate a bunch of people here yes i don't want to go into identifications here i'm nervous about having people i don't want you to tell uh-huh. you how you identify <laughs> but you know like for example if you happen to be postmenopausal, drink up Right? Yeah. There was no increase there, no increase for any of these other cancers, just premenopausal breast cancer. And I find okay. it interesting, too, that while they are different in some ways, premenopausal breast cancer, huge effect. Postmenopausal breast effect, uh, cancer, no effect. Now, look, they're a little different, but still, you'd think they'd at least be some effect for both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it found no increase from uh, any of these other cancers. The absolute risk, and this is the biggest thing you'll find in these studies, more than anything in the world to look for when you look at health and science reporting is this. The difference between relative risk and absolute risk. Every headline will tell you what the relative risk is. Relative risk is different than absolute risk. So here's the difference. They say um, there was about a 20% increase in the uh, incidence of cancer. Sounds really scary, and it does sound really scary. But the absolute risk is about 1%. So to put it another way, when they say, okay, it's about a 20% risk in, ca- in cancer, this is how this works out. On average, 
the with the people who had the lowest incidence in the in the study, three out of every one hundred people had these effects of cancer. Okay, with all the, if you were to go to the highest risk, which is I think four sodas a day, okay, that gets it to four out of one hundred. So it was three out of a hundred with no soda. If you drink four sodas a day, oh, it goes wow. to four out of one hundred chance of getting cancer. Wow. So it's not a 20 you think people yeah. think 20% like you're going from 3% to 23%. Uh-huh. No, it's 3% to 4 to 4%. It's a little bit there's fractions in there, but that's the basic thing. So there's a slight uptick and you wonder over 100,000 people if they can really measure that accurately because there's other things that go on. This is an observational study. First of all, it's people just telling yeah, and the not, doctors they're not how looking, many they have. They're also not looking right. at any of the rest of what they're doing. Exa- well, yeah, exactly. Right? They try to control for some of it. You know, so some of it, like when it comes to income and there's certain parts of it, but like, for example, are they looking at what else is in their diet though? They, I think partially they are. The interesting part about that is when you talk about an observational study, I come in, Pat, you're Dr. Pat, and -hmm. I come in and you you say to me, Hey, uh, fatso. Um, how many sugar? How many sugary drinks you have? Pretty good bedside manner, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty. You're, you're really not the best doctor. Um, you're a little rude. Really? Yeah. Um, and you say, "Hey, fatso, uh, you look like crap today. How many sodas have you had?" Mm-hmm. And I say, uh, two. Mm-hmm. And then I go home and have nine, or I go home and have none. There's no way you know that. You're actually measuring what I'm drinking. I'm just right. telling you. And think about it. this: mm-hmm. is like a visit. You know, once a year, I'm like, "Well, I've been having about two per week." Like. How, how many sodas do you have per day, per week? How many glasses of juice? If you had to estimate that now out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to do it accurately. So that, And that's just one of the things. The false reporting is a major problem in these studies all the time. But it's entirely possible, even likely, that some other factors might be causing both the cancer and increased sugar drinking. For example, we know that wealthier people drink fewer soft drinks. And we know that um, we also know that they are at reduced risk of many cancers. So being rich might be confounding the relationship between cancer and sugar drinking. Uh, and that's just one of the examples. They try to control for these things, but, you know, they're, they're, they're doing estimates. That's kind of a strange thing, too. Since when do rich people not drink soda? Is that a thing? Is that I really think, a thing? Again, it's on average, so some people do. But I think a lot of times you find that wealthier people wind up spending more time on their health. You know, they spend more time hmm. going to the gym. Mm-hmm. They spend time, uh, you know, they, they're, they'll afford the organic, you know, uh, salad that, you know, maybe instead of McDonald's, right? Like there's some of those things that wind up being true over long periods of time, but they're not universal. Yeah. Point is, though, again, basically, like if this study is right and there's a million questions about it and it's not the highest quality of study, if it's right and you drink all the soda you want in your entire life, they're saying there's it goes from a 3% chance of getting premenopausal breast cancer to a 4% chance. Now, look, as a person who loves soda, and I, I should give you this because you did mention it, Pat. Mm-hmm. This is this is everyone who write, writes these crazy things about, um, you know, these uh, headlines. They say like every they, these are sites that live off of this cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cancer scare websites are an entire industry. And one of the things they always fear monger on is artificial sweeteners. They're always saying those things right. are going to give you cancer all the time. Yep. And they all put this study about sugar giving you cancer in their headlines. What they don't put in the headlines is this part of it. Even fruit juice was associated with an increased cancer risk. The only safe option, aside from water, were art- artificially sweetened drinks, which were not associated with any <laughs> health issues in this research. What? Any. And that's been... So like by saccharin the way, or 
Sacris, Aspartame, any of that stuff. Splenda, any of them. Wow. No effect at all. Now, that's very consistent with scientific research over a multiple decades. But <sighs> these these sites that would praise this if, if it showed that there was a uh, artificial inc- uh, sweetener increase in cancer, that, that would be mm-hmm. all over every freaking news source. Oh, that yeah. gets buried in paragraph like 90 if it's mentioned at all in these studies uh, uh, stories about this. Bottom Amazing. line is, you should not be worried about how much sugar you drink and if it affects your cancer. I know as a person who loves soda, if this said to me, and it was completely true, if I had 12 sodas a day, it would increase my cancer risk by 1%. Mm-hmm. I still have 12 <laughs> sodas a day. I like soda yeah, that much. I know you would. Right? I know you so would, yeah. You gotta, it's, better, it's better to have the information. You can mm-hmm. actually make decisions and not freak yourself out. I feel like people just beat themselves into oh, yeah. panic constantly about yeah. what they can and can't eat, what they can and can't ingest, what they when they have to sleep at certain times and get up at mm-hmm. certain times and and do all of these crazy things and take nine million pills. And it's like, guys, like the, the human down. body is relatively uh, resilient. Yeah, you know, you don't, you know, try not to dip yourself in a vat of acid. You'll probably be fine. <laughs> More in one minute. Warning, if you're buried in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies make you think you have to pay it all back. Because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Answers at 800-970-9159. If you're struggling to pay off your debt, do not let the credit card companies make you think you have to. Call Credit Answers now for free information on how to get out of debt faster than you ever thought possible, without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We offer a guarantee with no upfront fees, so there's no risk. For free information, visit creditanswers.com or call 800-970-9159. That's 800-970-9159. Pat and Stu for Glenn. Uh, you know, I, I, I love hearing these uh, surveys, these studies that they do, because things have just been accepted for so long. It's just accepted that sugary drinks, you know, give you cancer or whatever. <laughs> right. It was just accepted for so long that salt is killing people through high blood pressure. And then that's one I even bought into. I, 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 did I always too. thought salt was really, was really bad. And, and the amount of scientific evidence on that is minimal to none i mean like it's uh, yeah it, it really doesn't seem to have any negative effects at the amounts uh that we consume it at and also there's a real risk of eating too little salt yeah the, the guidelines if people if you cut yourself back too much it actually has negative health effects which, which is, is amazing crazy. It's and you would never opposite. guess that yeah. you'd never the, the way people talk about salt you'd never guess that and you you mentioned a butter the butter margarine uh debate i mean now it seems like I remember when I was growing up in the seventies, margarine was the thing. Yeah. Nobody ate butter because it was so bad for you. Yeah, 
And then all of a sudden, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s, butter. No, butter is natural, and that's way better than all the <laughs> chemicals that are in the margarine for it's you. So. so bizarre. I mean, first of all, you find out that most most anything, I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, certain poisons. I wouldn't put polonium 212, which we keep bringing up. <laughs> yeah, uh, that I would not, be good. I, there's, that in any, mm-hmm. in any amount is pretty bad. But like most of this stuff is going to be fine for you if you have it in small uh, small amounts. Yeah. The issue, I think, I mean, now we're to the point, you bring up butter and how it was like the devil for a really long time. And eggs so were eggs. this. Yes. And like, yeah. But, you know, now the people who tell you how to be healthy and the health mark, you know, like mm-hmm. the health sort of the diet sort of complex that exists, um, you know, when, the, you know, a lot of it's now low carb and they have these things. And this is a real thing where they tell you to people are putting butter in their coffee. In their butter, in, really? in their coffee. What is it called? Bull, bull, uh, there's something. There's, they have a name for it. I can't remember the name of it. it. Doesn't. What is it? No, I don't think so. It, it doesn't sound good. It's, first of all, it sounds to me to be. I mean, I don't. I think coffee is disgusting. I'm not a coffee yeah, drinker. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, but a lot of people do. Bulletproof coffee is what they call it, and they're put, they're taking scoops of butter and throwing <laughs> it in the coffee. <laughs> That's really weird. Now I don't know. Maybe that makes that coffee bad instead of cream I, I guess instead of cream you're putting butter yeah, in it which is kind of it kind of makes sense when you think of it that way thing yeah but also it doesn't uh-huh. make much sense to me wow that is that's strange yeah they have all these things like the coconut oil thing was another big one they had for a while like coconut oils that's healthy that's healthy and like this the doctors and scientists came out and they're like guys this is like one of the, f- the worst things you can eat <laughs> <laughs> now look at is it natural sure what does that mean it's like basically 100 percent pure fat <laughs> so if you think if you want to have look it tastes good and mm-hmm. i have no problem uh, eating a little bit uh, of uh, uh, of coconut oil if it makes it and because sometimes it makes food taste really good i like coconut oil sometimes. yeah yeah, but like, don't act like it's health. Like people just try to find the thing. What what seems least healthy? Let's write a book about how it's healthy, and then it'll sell a million copies. <laughs> like I don't know, is coconut oil healthy? I mean, I, I mean that was the thing. Glenn went through that celery thing for a while. I don't think I don't know if that's still happening. But he had the guy on who was like, "Hey, I magically conjured celery is is solving all these diseases." And you're like, "Wait a minute, I, I you're not even saying doctors back this up. You're just saying that you." heard like you're a, you had a medium connection to some spirit that told you that celery is better than what doctors think it is seriously that was the connection yeah and you're like I... uh, and glenn went along with that I, well he i let's put it this way i think tanya wanted him to eat something that was a vegetable that's 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 my impression of that entire incident but the bottom line is oh, man uh glenn did eat a piece of celery at one point over the past year <laughs> and i'm sure all the health benefits came yeah, through i'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure. I'm yeah. right yes oh oh yeah okay, almost good. for sure yeah yeah it's pat and sue pat and stew not sue uh sue Thank left you, pat. <laughs> uh pat and stew for glenn on the glenn beck program triple eight seven two seven beck uh so we had some dummies going into walmart's um yesterday and the day before it, I don't know what I don't know what the point of it was for this guy to dress up in uh I think he had body armor on, he had camo. He had multiple firearms uh and AR15 strapped around him. He had 100 and, and they were all loaded. He had 100 rounds of ammo and he gets a shopping cart and starts uh filming himself walking around at Walmart uh like that. Now, 
I don't. Are you making a point? Are you just trying to get YouTube views? Are you making uh. a point about how I can do this, so I'm going to? What a dumb thing to do. Yeah, a lot of we've seen this a few times with like Ugh. people who are Second Amendment activists who think it's a good idea to uh, to go out there and show that they le- legally can do you know carry a, a gun that's going to scare a bunch of people. Around. Not a good time for that. Not a good place for that. I, you do have legitimately, and this is not right, but you have a legitimate chance of getting yourself killed doing it. Yeah, that. you do. Um, that's not yes, appropriate. It's not the right thing. You should no. be able to do these things. Well, but somebody might think because it just happened. In a Walmart. Yeah, that you're a threat. And there might be a security guard or an off-duty cop or whatever that takes him down. Now, there is an argument it's to be made. And it's just stupid. And they've made these arguments before, which is basically like because no one does it. People are see guns as foreign, scary items. Yeah, because they don't see it in their normal lives, so they they freak out when they do. And, I, and there is a point there. Mm-hmm. However, the way to make that point is not to carry around you know weapons in Walmart to just in, in an obviously right after twenty e- people were murdered. Right, and then obviously smart. like you know in, they're trying to incite a reaction there. Yes, they are. And a probably you know you're lucky the reaction isn't someone thinking you're trying to kill people and shooting mm-hmm. you in the head. Yeah, I mean, you could legitimately die trying to do something like that for YouTube views. Not worth it. As it was, uh, the manager pulled the alarm. They emptied out the store as the guy was leaving out a back door. Uh, an off-duty fireman who was armed held him at gunpoint till cops got there and arrested him. So, and uh, I, but he did not necessarily commit a crime. No. So they may find right. out that he's not. You know, maybe. But still, is that the day that you want? Is that your afternoon? You go to the police. You go to the police station. You answer a bunch of questions. They think you're about to murder people. They eventually, let's say, if everything goes well, say, "Okay, it looks like you weren't. You were just making a point on the Second Amendment. You can go home." And now it's nine p.m. Like that's your best case scenario for the <laughs> yes. afternoon. Yes, not and a good nobody idea. got hurt. So thank goodness, uh, by the grace of God, nobody did get hurt. Thank God. But yeah, why? Why would you do that? At this particular time. It's just that's not worth it. I don't think it's worth it. Uh, also, there was another guy who walked into a Walmart. Um, this one was in Port St. Lucie, Florida. He went up to the counter the, where they sell the guns. And he asked the clerk, uh, what can I buy here that will kill 200 people? And the clerk says, that's really not funny. And he said, right. What can I? I know. What can I buy here that will kill 200 people so then they also pulled the alarm on that store and emptied that one out he was just an anti-gun nut Mm -hmm. trying to make another point on the other side that listen to what he had to say afterwards as a matter of fact um yes what i did last night in walmart was in poor taste um you think i'm a long time Mm -hmm. gun violence prevention activist Oh. And I'm here back home in Port St. Lucie, the same town where Omar Mateen purchased his guns mm-hmm. to do the Pulse, uh, the Pulse Massacre. And I'm in a Walmart just a few days after El Paso, and I'm seeing a white nationalist-looking guy Wait, what? purchase a gun. Okay, so he's, he's seeing... A white nationalist-looking guy. <laughs> you know, because white nationalists, we know, Pat, are bad because they judge people by their appearance. Yeah, right. Uh, that's how we know white nationalism is right. bad, because yes. they're looking at just the color of a skin right. and judging them. Yeah. That's how, when I see huh. someone who looks like a white nationalist, I judge them immediately <laughs> by, that, by the color of their skin. Which is obviously what this douche did. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. I mean... It's probably not time for stunts. 
No. Can we say that on either side? Not yeah. a good stunting time. <laughs> Not a good time really for a good old not. bit at a Walmart. Right. They're a little sensitive about those things at this particular moment. Right. And maybe this is a time to just be a freaking normal human being. Mm-hmm. Is that even a, an available option for some of these people? And maybe we could have a, I don't know, a healing period. What would that be like if mm. we just uh, got along, tried to get along with each other? I mean, I know it's difficult. I know there's a lot of divisiveness. Or as you know, they would say it on the me- in the media now, divisiveness. There's a lot of divisiveness going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, because the root word of of divide uh, is now divide. I guess it is uh, divide. It is mm-hmm. divide. Yes, yeah, so that's okay. confirmed. All right. So uh, it would just be nice if we could just you know work together as human beings, figure this out, and and not do these stunts. Because the stunt on the one side with the guy heavily armed going through a Walmart, that's just going to give cannon fodder to the other side. Conversely, this guy does the same thing for us. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous on both ends. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's just a tough one because, you know, there was a time in which we would not rush to this nonsense. Oh, that time's long gone. It's just long gone. I mean, it's, and, you know, the Rahm Emanuel never let a crisis go to waste is the perfect summary for the era we live in. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as I thought that was a really despicable sentiment at the time, you realize how central it is to to everyday life in Washington, D.C. Even before uh, the situation has been resolved, they're already politicizing it. I mean, I I don't know. I don't even know if the killer had been apprehended at the Walmart in, in El Paso before we started seeing the tweets and things from the left about how we need to get the guns and and it's and you know what trump's fault you know what pat thoughts and prayers aren't enough <laughs> right <laughs> how about that right see that stance i just took booyah boom that's what happens i just put it in your face when you decided to think about the lives of the of the victims families and yeah. pray for them i, I put it right that. in your you, face yeah, yeah uh, you did. i stuck it in your face and now you'll think twice yes, next time did. about thinking <laughs> next time your thoughts are entering your brain you'll think twice uh, I, I mean, the before last, I even get to a prayer, prayers are off limits come completely. Um, Kamala Harris really did that this week. She, she she actually said no more thoughts and prayers, which is fascinating. It used to be thoughts and prayers aren't enough. Now it's no more thoughts and prayers. So they do not want you to pray, but they also don't want you to think. Neither one of those. Wouldn't that be wonderful for the for the progressive <laughs> government in this country if we just stop praying and thinking about everything? Because that really is what gets in the way. Yeah. You know, this would yep. be so easy if it wasn't for you crazy kids. This would be so easy if it wasn't for your thinking and praying. It just keeps getting in the way. We want to do all these amazing things for you, but you just keep thinking and praying your way out of them. Uh, it is amazing that that has become a mm-hmm. legitimate point. Yeah. For, and it, I think it falls into something we talked about earlier today, Pat, about not learning your lesson from 2016 about deplorables. You know, back then, we kind of covered this earlier in the program, but, to, you know, Hillary Clinton made a speech about, and she said some of these uh, Donald Trump supporters are deplorable. Uh, they're, they're in the basket of deplorables, racists and anti-Semites and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can make that statement and actually be accurate about every candidate that has ever run a race. There's always people that vote for a candidate that are awful. There's, because there's people who do everything that are awful. Right? There, you know, mm-hmm. Every place you go, every day, you're going to run into somebody who's kind of terrible. And so this is not a, a, an amazing observation, but it may have been enough for her to actually lose this race. It pissed people off. Stop calling us deplorable. What are you talking about? We're not racist. We're not doing these things. And because of the impression, just the impression, because it's not what she said, just the impression that she was calling all of Donald Trump supporters deplorable, 
she specifically was making the case that it, they weren't all that way. She was saying, look, some of these supporters are, de- are deplorable, but you know, there's a lot of other people who are regular Americans and are worried about the economy, and we need to make sure we're speaking to them. That was her point. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party, instead of learning the lesson of we better not just call a bunch of you know, millions of people deplorables, instead, now the Democratic Party is calling everyone who supports Donald Trump a racist. It's not, it's not yeah. enough to just say that they have problems or they might even be deplorable for a multitude of reasons. No, all of them are racists. It's the exact opposite lesson that they're learning. And I think the same thing with, uh, with the thoughts and prayers thing. It's like instead of saying like, we respect the fact that there are a lot of people of faith who disagree with us on guns. And while we think the best thing to do is government action to massively control firearms, we also can recognize that the overwhelming uh, percentage of people that own guns don't commit crimes, that they're good people. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are just trying to, to stop these wor- the worst of these incidents. Instead, it's, gosh, you, you bastards. You don't want to do anything. You want these people to die. You're, you mm-hmm. just, all you keep throwing out these fake prayers with your fake sky god and boomsticks. <laughs> and it's like, that is, they are learning the opposite lesson. They are doing everything they mm-hmm. can to tell the average voter in the middle in Michigan, don't vote for us because we hate you. You know, you voted for Trump in 2016. We despise everything you stand for. Make sure you don't come to us in 2020. That might, like, this is a dream for Donald Trump. The fact that they have this giant primary and they're all falling over themselves to see who can be most socialist and offensive to religious people is a great, a great thing that is going on for Donald Trump's campaign. The fact that the Democrats can't recognize that is mesmerizing. Yeah. It's watching them all light their electoral hopes on fire in real time. You know, they, this is not an unwinnable race for a Democrat. The, the, the economy is really good, but I mean, Trump has issues. He's at 42 and 43% approval rating. With the economy looking like this, it should be higher. You know, he has his issues. And, and a good mm-hmm. candidate running a race that made sense would have a chance against Donald Trump. The way they're doing this now, yelling at you for praying for murder victims. Crazy. It's crazy. And you know what? Keep the crazy going, as far as I'm concerned. So Andy No, who is the guy who was beat by beat up by Antifa in the streets of Portland a, a little while ago, uh, we had him on the program. Uh, he's a journalist, uh, not a hardcore right guy, but a guy who's critical of Antifa. He writes an article. Uh, is he called, a gay man and a journalist, or just a journalist? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I love that reference. Into, I do too. <laughs> Good old Phil Hendry. <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, Dayton, uh, the Dayton shooter might be Antifa's first mass killer. Let me give you this case here. Mm. See what you think. When it comes to, uh, we all know about the right-wing stuff at El Paso that everyone's saying. When it comes to condemning the Dayton shooter's militant left, far-left views, all remain mum. Others, such as police activist Sean King, even claim the Dayton shooter targeted blacks in a hate crime, though racism doesn't appear to have been a component in his twisted worldview. The Dayton shooter didn't leave behind a manifesto, but his extensive social media footprint provides clues as to what may have inspired him. He had long uh, expressed support for Antifa accounts, causes, and individuals. That would be the, of course, loose network of militant leftist activists who physically attack anyone to the right of Mao in the name of anti-fascism. In particular, he promoted extreme hatred of American border enforcement. Kill every fascist, to quote, um, the shooter declared in 2018 on Twitter. Over the next year, his tweets became increasingly violent. Nazis deserve death and nothing else, he tweeted last October. He, of course, frequently frequently flung the label Nazi around at those he disagreed with. 
In response to an essay by intercept write, uh, an intercept writer, he uh, entitled "Let's Defeat or Impeach Trump, but what if he doesn't leave the White House?" The shooter wrote, "Arm, train, prepare." Uh, he then tweeted in June, "I want socialism, and I will not wait for the idiots to finally come around to understanding." He promoted posts that demonized Ted Cruz and Bill Cassidy's resolution against Antifa extremism, the national unity in rejecting violent white nationalist ideal ideologues. Um, are emblematic of resolve against the far right. The unanimous rejection of El Paso's shooter uh, and his beliefs, including by President Trump, once more demonstrated the nation's resolve against the hard right hate. Yet when it comes to far left violent extremism, there is a gaping blind spot in the mainstream discourse, and we are less safe because of it. The Dayton shooter promoted the same virulently anti-law enforcement uh, rhetoric that too many mainstream figures on the left flirt with. And yet it was courageous police officers who finally ended his carnage when they shot and killed him outside of that bar. His case also makes clear Antifa's violence goes far beyond street hooliganism that is, it's become infamous for. The group espouses the belief that liberal democracy is irredeemably, irredeemably oppressive, fascistic even, and must be thoroughly destroyed. Last month, an Antifa uh, militant firebombed an immigration and custom enforcement facility in Tacoma, Washington. Police say he was killed. After he aimed a rifle at them during the attack, his gun had apparently malfunctioned before he could fire. In his manifesto, he called for his comrades to take up arms in confronting the ascendant fascism of the state. In one of his last tweets, before he killed all those people in Dayton, he responded to a person asking if the guy who firebombed the ICE facility had been a villain or a martyr. He replied, martyr. I mean, he had said over and over again, people should be killed for holding beliefs that are anything but socialist. And he supported the groups like Antifa and their attempts at violence. Good thing that's... And justified them. Nothing like fascism. I mean... No. Right? No, it seems like a lot of these anti-fascists are pretty fascist. (laughs) It sure does. Really strange. Yeah, very strange. He was also apparently a Satanist, uh, which is also pretty weird and uh for the first victim that he had it was his sister it's yeah i you wonder that's kind of why i i really strange my initial inter- interaction with this story was more of the because you can be a conservative and commit a murder that does yeah. not mean you can can, can commit uh, committed a murder because you're conservative same thing here he could be yes. a socialist right. and kill a bunch of people it doesn't mean it has to be because of socialism and my initial impression because his sister was one of the targets maybe it was a personal vendetta and he just decided to kill a bunch of people too but there's some evidence here i mean he yeah. was really outwardly violent and, and advocating for that violence according to his friends too he had he loved his sister had nothing against her really a strange so situation weird. so weird wow and they're still not talking about the fact that the el paso shooter was an environmentalist yes still we get nothing on that no all right have a great weekend see you monday You're listening to Glenn Beck.